With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Road podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello and welcome to Lucky Number 13, the 13th episode of Affected by Altitude. I am Ben Kuchmerkavich, joined by Sam Bradfield, who is joining us for the first time as the managing editor of Purple Row. Sam, how does it feel? Man, it's it's surreal, Ben. It really is. Um, I was telling Adam, who's our other editor, um, it's funny kind of how this whole thing played out because I was hired two years ago um, just as a feature writer, so writing things every other week, twice a month-ish, just kind of as things came up. Um, and then about s- right around, I don't know, April or May of that time period, I remember talking to Adam about something and he gave me uh, some tips on how to do certain things and I asked him about what it takes to be an editor just a general editor like you or Adam or you know stuff like that and then it was soon after that that Eric promoted me to editor and then in my head I was like okay here's my two who's here's my two-year plan I'm going to be editor and then in two years I'll be managing editor and then it dawned on me that that would in fact take Eric leaving the site which at that point was not something I wanted to happen. Not, I mean, not that I wanted it to happen now, but it's just kind of funny how, how that whole timeline started off as a joke and kind of came reality. So it's surreal, but I'm excited. We're certainly glad to have you at the helm. Thanks. Um, you went to FanFest, uh, correct? I did. Yeah, so that was Saturday. Uh, quite a few Rockies players were not there, and there also was not media availability for general manager Jeff Breidich or owner Dick Monfort, but how was the experience otherwise? Overall, it, it was nice. It was really low-key. Um, the last three years, I think it was, I went to uh, Diamondbacks Fan Fest, and they were kind of in the same boat of Chase Field was being renovated, so they had to find a separate place. With that, with them being in Phoenix, their spring training facilities right up the road, so they had their Fan Fest at their spring training at Salt River Fields the last couple years. And so they were able to utilize the main field for like player interviews. They'd have them sit them on uh, on top of the dugout, and then the fans would sit in the seats. And then on some of the backfields, they'd have like bouncy castles for the kids and the things where you can throw really hard and try to hit the target. And you know their garage sale where they sold their old bobbleheads and their old giveaways from the previous year or two, um, and just various other things. They used the space really well. Um, and even when they were at Chase Field a few years ago, they used the whole field for a lot of things. So it was certainly different being at Coors Field where everything was really relegated to the concourses. So in the lower level, the home clubhouse was open. I ended up not going in there. Um, but then the visitors clubhouse was the garage sale, which was paintings and hats and some game used stuff. I got there around one thirty. I got there a little late, so there wasn't a whole lot to pick from in the scrap heap um, that I didn't already have or have some use for. And then um, I'm trying to think. And then on the club level, there were like 
picture stations, you know, like selfie stations. They had the ATT Sportsnet desk set up and I walked by and some kids were lining up to interview Peter Lambert. And then um, they had like some some games, they had like ping pong. And I, I ran into Sam Hilliard and I said, I said hi to him and talked to him for a minute. Um, and he and I think it was him and Brendan Rogers were heading over to the cup stacking table to like compete with some kids on the cup stacking table. And that was really fun to watch. It's kind of funny that cup stacking is still a thing that the kids do nowadays. Um, trying to think. And then upstairs in the suites, they, they had like the panels in the conference, in the conference room in one of the suites. I ended up going to a panel with Ryan Valade, Ben Bowden, Tyler Nevin, and Ryan Rollison and Zach Wilson. And they were all talking about kind of their journey through baseball and things they've learned. And um, Zach Wilson talked a little bit about things they look for and like his favorite part of running the farm system and things like that. Um, and that was led by Jeff Houston, moderated the panel. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I did have an autograph voucher for Josh Fuentes, but figured it would be a little weird uh, talking to Josh Fuentes and getting his autograph since I've, you know, built a little bit of a relationship with him. So that'd be weird. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to think. They had some other things, but those are the big Family ones. Family Feud was a thing that was going on, right? Yes. Yeah. Family Feud was fun. We st- We watched like part of an episode. And it was really funny because it was the teams, it was four fans and four players uh, split up into two teams of two and two. And so I watched it. One team had Trevor Story and Dom Nunez on it. And the other one had Vinny Castilla and uh, Chichi Gonzalez. And the question was, name something that flies. So people were talking about airplanes and kites. And at one point, Chichi said a bird or an eagle. And so they gave him that one. And then it came back to him and people were in the audience were shouting out, oh, Superman or a kite or a balloon. And he goes, a dinosaur. (laughs) And so they were trying to they put it up there and they were like, ah, pterodactyl didn't work. And it it was kind of funny. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was nice. I didn't go to the media availability. I just kind of want to hang out as a fan. Take it in. And uh yeah, it was it was different. It was low key, but I liked it. So, yeah. Yeah, and so from what I saw of the media availability, there wasn't a whole lot of significance that was said from anyone who was interviewed. Um, but on while we're talking about significant subjects, we'll talk a little bit about the big story that we've seen in the past week, which is the fallout from Jeff Breidich finally addressing the Nolan Arenado trade rumors and saying that they've kind of put them to bed and that they're looking to go into spring training with Arenado as their third baseman. And shortly after that, Nolan Arenado issued a statement through a series of texts saying that he feels disrespected by Jeff Breidich. Um, so Arenado was not at FanFest, but it looks like the reason was not because he was upset or anything like that. I mean, a lot of players weren't there. Blackman, Desmond, uh, Ryan McMahon, who was having his bachelor party. Um, Wade Davis wasn't there. So a lot of players have prior commitments and can't necessarily attend. What do you think is the mo- is the big key takeaway we should be looking at here? What should we kind of expect going forward related to Arenado and Breidich? Because when I, when I see like that relationship that's going on between the two of them, it's hard for me to envision 
like both of them being able to stay in the same organization together because it just doesn't seem like a positive relationship right now. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's it's a toxic relationship and it's not going to last much longer. Um, and it's probably going to be an ugly divorce between Dick Montfort and whoever he decides to divorce. Um, it's certainly, it's been, I mean, as you mentioned, it's been kind of a crazy week between it started with we're not going to trade him then he comes out and says he's disrespected and then Bradish says okay I'm going to issue a statement still waiting on that statement and it is Monday a week after this whole thing started um and then Arnado came out what was it Friday or Saturday and said I'm not going to talk about it anymore um and then over the weekend at FanFest where Breidich was not made available to the media he or even to the fans. He helped uh, check in fans, I think, in the morning. The season ticket holders specifically, I personally didn't see him, but that doesn't mean he didn't stay all day. Um, and kind of made it very clear that he was not going to answer questions about Arenado. And kind of, I heard some people say he he deflected, tried, you know, tried to deflect some of the fans who asked him about it or who made mention of it. Um, I can't confirm that's true. I heard kind of through the Twitterverse. Um, so, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. And at this point with even like I know Tracy Ringlesby tonight was supposed to have some sort of event where he was going to talk to Jeff Breidich and they were going to and he does it every year. And on Saturday, it was it came out that it was being postponed, not just like a week, but t- until opening day or the night before an opening day, which is a long time. Um, and it kind of makes you wonder why all of a sudden 48 hours before this event is being canceled and pushed back three months, two months almost. So I don't know. What are your, what are some of your thoughts beyond they can't exist in the same organization? Well, I think it should be mentioned that Arenado also said that it's not the trade rumors surrounding him that that has got him frustrated here. Yes. It seems to mostly be because of the inactivity uh, related to the front office this offseason. And the Rockies finished 71-91 and last year. We all know that. And we all know that they are... They're now the only team because the Chicago Cubs uh, signed Steven Souza Jr. to a major league contract. So the Rockies are now the only team this offseason that has not signed a player to a fully guaranteed major league contract. And we have that specification because Jose Mujica's contract was a major league deal, but it is a split contract that pays him a certain amount in the minors, certain amount in the majors, so it's not fully guaranteed. Uh, we saw the Arizona Diamondbacks today made a yet another move, acquiring Starling Marte from the Pirates, and they've also added... Cole Calhoun, Madison Bumgarner, Stephen Vogt, and others on the free agent market this offseason. The Padres traded for Tommy Pham, uh, so they've gotten better. The Dodgers, the only free agent acquisition on the major league side was Alex Wood, who used to be with them a couple years ago. And the Giants really haven't done a whole lot either. They signed Drew Smiley to kind of a reclamation project signing. But the Rockies, I guess the big signings for the Rockies have been Drew Butera and uh, Chris Owings on the minor league side. So we try to be nuanced as much as possible. I think the both of us do. Um, and the the Rockies say they're still committed to winning, even though this shouldn't come as a surprise to us that they haven't really done a whole lot because they said at their post-end-of-season media availability that there weren't going to be any big splashes. So it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that nothing has happened. But still, how do you how do you balance still expecting to be a contending team with not making any significant moves? That's what I wonder. 
Yeah, and I th- I think really they're just chalking up last year as a fluke or injuries or something, you know, something not characteristic of this Rockies team that we saw in 2017 and 2018. So I could almost see the logic again being, you know, we'll keep the, we'll keep them all together. Freeland will bounce back. Maybe Davis will bounce back. We'll sign Trevor Story. You know, all these guys, Rymack won't be injured at the beginning of the year, nor will Daniel Murphy. And then, um, so we'll all come back and we'll all be, we'll all be fine. I could almost see it as last year's a fluke. Let's try it again. And if nothing happens this year, then we have to reassess. That's kind of where I'm thinking. When you look at the past three seasons in terms of the Pythagorean record, in terms of how much they, the Rockies should have won based on their runs scored, runs allowed, they're definitely better than the team they showed last year, but they're also probably not quite as good as the teams from the two seasons prior. So that's another consideration as well. Yeah, I guess the, the question is now that they are officially the last team without a major league guaranteed contract and we have – only a handful of days left until pitcher and catcher's report. Do you think they're going to make a move in the next two weeks? Well, the top free agents left out there are Yasiel Puig and Brock Holt. So now that Nicholas or Nick, I actually, Nicholas Castellanos is going back to being called Nick now. I saw that in the Reds press release. But uh, now that he signed his contract today, that's the last of the really big names. I think Yasiel Puig would be fun to have on the Rockies, but also I think that's, I think anything over like $2 million is over the, out of the Rockies price range, to be quite honest. Um, yeah, I go back and forth on Puig because, you know, watching him with the Dodgers and he was just, a, just, he was just annoying and awful. And I just have this vision in my head, like the first time I saw him play live at Chase Field and he hit like right to AJ Pollock, who we can talk about some other day in all of his comments over the weekend. Anyway, so I just remember Puig hit it like right at AJ Pollock in center and got thrown out at first. And so he jogs up to first with his bat in his hand, touches the bag, takes off his batting helmet and swings and hits not at AJ Pollock running back to the dugout. And, you know, I say that with air quotes and it was, that was just, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And then, so I was happy to see him go to, to Cincinnati and then to Cleveland and kind of get out of the division and get out of the way. Um, so I meant to, like, I think he would be a headache and I think he would be a pain. Um, and I don't think this Rockies team is equipped to handle that kind of personality. Um, but I mean, he, he puts up pretty good numbers. I just don't know, you know, if, if this Rockies team, Bud Black's a great manager, but I don't know if, if they would be able to contain the Puig. (laughs) That's fair. You know, kind of like the the Cleveland Browns and all their, you know, big big name stars out there, but that's football talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there were a couple articles written on Purple Row within the past week or so um, about the Nolan Arenado Jeff Breidert situation. Renee Deckert wrote an article, and so did Adam Peterson. Um, Adams is mostly focused on not necessarily defending Jeff Breidich's position, but kind of understanding why he would want to trade Arenado or why he would end up in this position. I mean, a big reason on there is kind of some of the signings that Jeff Breidich has made, actually, with Ian Desmond, Wade Davis, Brian Shaw, Jake McGee, um, Mike Dunn, though Mike Dunn is gone now, but he'll still be paid a little bit of money because of the buyout on his option this year. 
But, um, yeah, it looks like the payroll is kind of in a crunch because of some contract, some large contracts that are not really performing well. Of course, Arenado and Blackman are paid a pretty penny too, but they are performing superbly. I guess. And Trevor Story word. now. Yeah, Trevor Story now. And uh, Herman Marcus's contract isn't really that significant, but he's he's gotten a little bit more than his minute, league minimum salary mm-hmm. in that new extension he signed. Do you think anything related to the Trevor Story, it wasn't really an extension, it was just buying out his two arbitration years. Do you think any of that had to do with kind of smoothing things over in the Arenado relationship with, I mean, with the fans smoothing over their feelings like the day before fan fest? Um, I honestly don't. And I, I don't know. I I don't, I spend some time around these guys, but I don't spend a lot of time around them. So I can't speak for them, but I almost feel like they're unrelated. You know, it just, it happened to be the timing. It happened to be this. I don't think, you know, they were thinking about fan fest or thinking about Arenado or anything you know, I think they were just thinking we want to knock, we want to lock up Trevor story and we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything else was related. Well, in other news, so I wrote a rock pile uh, a week before Sunday and the title of it was it's quiet in lower downtown. And then like everything happened. Um, the whole situation with Arenado and Breidich, um, Jerry Shummel, unfortunately being let go from KOA on the Rockies broadcasts uh, due to the iHeart media layoffs. Um, he's been replaced with Mike Rice, who I he's been a fill-in on there before, and I've really enjoyed what I've heard from Mike Rice. It's just, of course, unfortunate that it has to come with Jerry Schemmel leaving as well. But we certainly wish the best for the both of them in their endeavors. Um, another thing that happened was Larry Walker was elected to the Hall of Fame. Did you watch any of the Hall of Fame reveal, Sam? I mean, other than the picture of him in the SpongeBob shirt, you know, getting the call and, you know, then giving his statement after, I I honestly didn't really keep up with it. Did you? Yeah, so obviously Derek Jeter was going to be elected, and then Kurt Schilling was kind of maybe a little bit less likely than Walker. But then, uh, so when they came out and started announcing, they said there were two people that were going to be inducted, and the first one was a five-tool player, and... Larry Walker, I think, out of Jeter Schilling and himself is that description the best. So it was definitely Larry Walker. And then just, it was, I was really surprised, to be honest with you. I didn't think he was going to make it, but I was very glad he did and very glad that he presented himself in the SpongeBob shirt on his uh, acceptance. And then we saw the voice of SpongeBob, Tom Kenny, do a video. uh, I guess his wife, I think it was, released uh, that video on YouTube and Ted, uh, at the Ghost of Marv on Twitter, was the one who found that. When it only had, like, two views, and apparently, mm-hmm. I don't know, somehow he found it, and then it got circulated, and we posted it on Purple Row. And that's a video you, you should watch if you have not yet. If you go to purplerow.com and look at the fan shot section, that's right there for you to watch. Yeah, SpongeBob is such a, a special place in my heart, so now I'm, an, I, I, I'm even more of a Larry Walker fan, <laughs> like... SpongeBob defined my childhood, has defined my adulthood and my relationship over the last couple of years. So <laughs> my my iPad picture is a picture of uh, me and my guy at Universal Studios with SpongeBob. So, <laughs> so fun fact. So the other person um, on the ballot for the Rockies was Todd Helton. 
and he got 32.1% of the vote on public ballots. I should probably actually look up what he got on the actual ballot. But when uh, at not Mr. Tibbs is the guy who tracks the uh, public ballots, as I look up the 2020 results, and when he last posted an update to his public ballot, Helton had gotten 68 known public votes, which was already 10 more than he received altogether in 2019. So that bodes well for him, and he actually looks to be on an interesting track if people don't hold hold Coors Field against him, and it looks like they didn't for Larry Walker for once, most people at least. So it could be uh, looking good for Helton in a few years. He got 29.2% of the vote on overall ballots. Yes. Okay. Well, hopefully it's not another, you know, biting our nails, hoping that he gets in in another eight years. Waiting, so. yeah, waiting till the final year. Yeah, and then even then, going, is he going to get in or not? Um, so, thanks to Manny Ranhawa for spearheading the hashtag Walker Hof campaign. He really, I don't know, I mean, maybe not spearheading, but like really, really running with it. And um, yeah, he got my vote. <laughs> so, yeah. Exciting stuff. It's been a, it's been a quite the week for for Rockies fandom, that's for sure. Pedro Gomez of ESPN tweeted today: New for the 2020 MLB season, much like NFL referees have done for years, umpires will be mic'd up and tell fans in attendance and those watching on television and listening on radio if reviewed calls are upheld or overturned. They may also explain rules if necessary. And his understanding is that it will be only the crew chiefs that are mic'd up. I personally think this is a good idea because I think we've seen our fair share of calls that we don't really know why they were called that way when we seem to know the rules of baseball and they seem to kind of go against those rules or make absolutely no sense whatsoever. So I think this is a very good move. What do you think, Sam? I agree. And it also, it holds the umpires accountable because right now they're not held accountable by anybody except for maybe, maybe the booing fans, but that doesn't, you know, doesn't affect them. Um, so this, this really helps with some accountability for the umpires in that regard. I, I agree that it should just be the crew chief. That's how it is in the NFL. So that's fine with me, but yeah, especially, you know, like the Trey Turner, was he in the lane thing last year during the world series? That would have been a good one to, to talk through in the moment instead of afterwards. So yeah, I, I definitely look forward to this. That'll be really, really good to see. And we might get to hear country Joe West, uh, <laughs> sing sing a little bit and release some new albums over the over the microphone. Hey, might as well some good exposure there. Another thing that we're looking at that might be implemented one of these days. So what did Pedro Gomez say? Yes, for the 2020 season. So we're going to see that right away. But this is something that looks a little further out. Ken Rosenthal is talking about the potential of a universal designated hitter. And the collective bargaining agreement expires December 1, 2021, he tweeted. So earliest probably would be 2022. A trade-off would be required and is doubtful MLB and the union will reopen CBA when relations between two sides remain uneasy. So earliest would be 2022. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of fans who are listening who might be purists of the National League who are not a fan of this. I personally would be a fan. Maybe it's just because I'm... I'm not a millennial. I don't know what I'm classified as anymore. I know there's the Gen Z. I think you're like Gen Z-ish. I don't know. know. (laughs) 97 is usually right on the border, or they change it every year anyway. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm for it. 
and I'm especially for it. Well, what, first of all, what do you think, Sam? What do you think about the idea? I, I think I'm for it um, just because for an, a couple of reasons. First, the first one that I can really think of is, I mean, pitchers who, who rake aren't as prominent. You know, I mean, you've got Granky, you've got Baumgartner, you've got Marquez, you've got some guys that can make contact pretty consistently, but 90% of the time the pitcher is kind of a black hole in your lineup that you have to hope he lays the bunt down to get the guy over if there's somebody on base. And so there's some strategy involved in that, but I just think having guys who are more trained to consistently have contact would, I mean, it goes into making the game more enjoyable for us millennials and Gen Zers and whoever else is involved. Um, so there's that. But then also, it is kind of fun to see, you know, Marquez and and Baumgartner, especially, and Granky hit the ball and see, you know, there is a there are pitchers who can hit. Um, and even for World Series, we've seen it kind of go both ways with is the DH helpful for the National League team versus having an AL pitcher who's maybe had three at-bats in his entire career have to take an at-bat in the World Series, you know. So that's kind of my, as I've thought about it all day, um, how I feel about it. I, I can see both sides of it. What about you? More often than not, I think when you see the pitcher bat, or like 70 plate appearances, 50 strikeouts. So that's not something I really want to watch. But right. there have been times, I must admit, when having Marquez up there mm-hmm. might have been a little bit nicer than Tony Walters at times. Sorry, mm-hmm. Tony. <laughs> but that uh, just it's just at times. I think Tony's definitely better at taking a walk. I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Anyway, so for the Rockies, though, the DH could especially help in the coming years, especially as Blackman continues to grow older. He already has struggled with defense a little bit, though one for three with a walk posted an interesting uh, post about defensive metrics on Purple Row uh, within the past week that talks about how these metrics all basically when you normalize everything, everyone should be at like zero and then you calculate the players how good they are how bad they are defensively it turns out when a player's playing at Coors Field they're already at like minus five or minus six instead of at zero so when you look at the defensive metrics for the Rockies players they're going to be even worse so Blackman's defense might not be quite as bad as uh, we've seen it still certainly below average but according to some of those defensive metrics they might have been underrating him a little bit yeah, or even um, a guy like Ian Desmond, who mm-hmm. seems can only can you know hit left-handed pitchers. You can throw him in against left-handed pitchers and call him good there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that would be the Rockies. I think would probably be one of the teams that would benefit the most from having a designated hitter. Honestly, out of any of the teams in the National League, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. You know, they're just there are a lot of holes in that lineup right now, and. Uh, you know, uh, like I said kind of earlier, um, having an extra bat in there that's not a pitcher not named Herman Marquez um, could definitely be a benefit. Or even teams who have more than, you know, again, kind of like the Rockies who have, yeah, more than one guy that, that struggle and you have to put them 8-9 or 7-8-9 and that, you know, I think of Diamondbacks pre-2019 when Nick Ahmed was kind of the same thing you know he'd have 70 at bats and 
50 of them were outs <laughs> or, you know, it was just kind of one of those double black hole situations. I've always been of a mind that you should be able to DH for whatever spot you want. And I think maybe you technically can, just no one does it. Like if the second baseman is just can, is just de defense only and mm. the pitcher is, is Bumgarner, why don't you DH for the second baseman and then let the, I don't know. But that's what I've always thought. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point that I hadn't really thought about. So you would have a DH shortstop and a defensive shortstop. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. I huh. Think so. And then still have the pitcher bat for himself. Mm -hmm. Huh. That's an interesting thought. We can explore that more. Mm -hmm. That would be a good article. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> obviously most of the time the pitcher is the one yeah. that should be batted for. But yeah. No, I like that. That's cool. We can explore that. So, yeah, so we'll kind of see how that all all pans out over the next couple of years. Lots lots going on. Pace of play and all that nonsense. <laughs> so, yeah. And that is all for this episode of Affected by Altitude. Coming up on our next episode, we will take a look at our preseason predictions and a little bit about what spring training entails. As of this recording, AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain has not released their schedule of spring training televised games, so we will definitely be looking forward to that. And now Sam has a message about the future of Affected by Altitude. It's, it's nothing bad, I promise, or at least nothing terribly, horribly bad. Um, but yeah, anyway, I just wanted to say that since I've been promoted to managing editor of Purple Row, it comes with a lot of extra responsibilities to make sure, you know, the, the site is running smoothly and you guys are getting the best quality Rockies experience from us. Um, so because of that, I think it's time for me to take a step back from Affected by Altitude as a full-time co-host with, with Ben. I didn't come to this decision lightly, but just with all the extra responsibilities and all the other things... I didn't want to subject you all, our, our audience, to a less than stellar podcast experience. Ben will continue on as co-host, and maybe we'll see if someone else on our staff wants to join him. Uh, but for now, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a step back. I'll still be on as a guest from time to time, and I'll, I'll still continue doing the Pebble Report podcast to keep you all informed about the minor leagues. Um, you know how much I love talking minor leagues. So... Yeah, thank you to our loyal listeners. This whole podcast wouldn't be possible without you. It's really been a pleasure making it and talking Rockies with everyone, and I'm looking forward to see where Affected at By Altitude goes next. So, yeah, thank you guys. Thank you, Sam. You will still be an integral part of the podcasts when you are when you when you return for your guest spots. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for helping to create this now for 13 episodes with me. This yeah. Been fun. Really has been. So. All right. So thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time. I've been Ben Kuchnerkavich, and Sam has been Sam Bradfield. Right, Sam? Yep, still am. <laughs> right. See you next time. Yep, until next time. <laughs>